We just want to uh, look forward to that. We want to get the word out if people aren't here to let them know. It's going to be a wonderful, uh, I think, change. Every now and then, churches make sometimes what seem like smaller, insignificant uh, changes, but they can really be a blessing, and I think this is one. So Today we're going to be in uh, 1 John 5, and as Christians, sometimes we can uh, get down on ourselves, and we get things a little bit backwards in our life. We think uh, if we do things, we are in favor with God. God's pleased with the things that we do if they're for his glory and for his purpose. Um, but he empowers us. And so some people think, well, um, as I draw closer to God, I'll be more obedient. And John is sort of saying, as we are, obe are obedient to his word, we draw closer to him. And so sort of like a football team. Jesus is our coach, okay? We're the players. And and he gives us the things to do. And if you watch football, if you watch uh, any type of sports, you'll see the importance of working together as a team. And it's very important that you don't have rogue players on your team. If you just have one player that wants to run his own route, do his own thing, sort of messes up everybody else. And so God orchestrates us as a body, and this is called the unity in the body of Christ. And John is going to touch on this a little bit. Again, as we move forward into the end of this chapter and into 2 John, he talks about living for him. I can't get it to work. Oh, okay. So. Sorry. They're just adjusting the mics here. So so he wants us to be in, in unity. He wants us to be in sync. And it's a good thing that we do this. And so 1 John 5, I think we're just maybe going to go through the first uh, five verses or so. It says, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and anyone who loves him, who begot, also loves who is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and these commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. The interesting thing that we can say about being on uh, the team of Jesus is this, is that the outcome doesn't necessarily depend on my effort. This is telling me that in Christ Jesus, we have the victory already. You know, the cathedrals used to sing a song, I probably shared this, I've read the back of the book and we've won, okay? But what God wants us to do is walk in obedience to him, following him and what he has for us. And sometimes that's a very difficult thing. It can be a very challenging thing. And so as we go through life, sometimes we just feel like we're drowning. We can feel like we're just getting buried. Sometimes life just seems overwhelming uh, to us at times. But be assured of this, that God has said he is with us and he's going to see us through whatever it is that we are going through in our life. The journey may be painful at times, but the reward at the end is going to be marvelous because we are going to be in his presence. And so being born of God is the source of this love that he has for us. And there's nothing quite like being loved by somebody or by being loved by God. We've all gone through stages in our life where we felt alone and somebody comes along and they just, they love us. They love us. And if they love us unconditionally, what a thing. You know, we say, well, I don't deserve that. Well, you don't need to deserve it. God says that he loves us unconditionally. And John has mentioned really being born of God several times as we've gone through 1 John. And the nice thing about 1 John is 
you can read this whole book in just, you know, five or ten minutes. You can read it and reread it and just let it sort of penetrate into you because everything hinges on this love that God has for us. He talks about it in, in uh, 1 John 2.29. He talks about the love that he has for us, being born of God, 3.9.4.7. And here he tells us how it is that we are born of God. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ. So that means that believing in Jesus, that he is our Savior, and that he is our Messiah, not that uh, he's just the Messiah. So some people can say, well, he's, he is that, but is he yours? And so we enter into this personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And John's great emphasis on love throughout this whole thing is very important. And as, as I've said week after week, he continually tells us this and tells us this and tells us this because this is an area maybe as Christians that we fall short in many times in our life. So some people think, well, if I love others, then, then God's going to, you know, I get my salvation for that. We can only love people the way that God wants us to love if we have God in our heart. And so we put our trust in Jesus and his saving work by faith. So we're saved by faith, not of works. We're saved by his grace, not of works. So as we talk about being obedient to his commandments, sometimes the legalistic side of us can kick in. And we know the legalistic people that say, well, we've got to do this, and we've got to do this. And, we, and they have this little list of, of do's and don'ts. You know, the, the funny thing about having a relationship with Jesus is when he's alive and bubbling in your life, and I mean, he's, he's permeating your whole soul, you just begin to do the things that he wants you to do. It's not, it's not a checklist. It's not this list of do's and don'ts. We, we're not looking at people to... To find faults, we're looking at people to live the life that God has called us to do, to be examples to others, and to encourage others. And it's really interesting when you even read through the life of Paul. Some people will say, well, you know, he was awful stern, he was awful hard on people. But he talks about really being an encouragement to others. To put your faith in trust. When you see people struggling, it's very easy to say, well, you just don't have faith. But to encourage them to walk in the ways of the Lord. To be obedient even sometimes when we don't feel like being obedient in our life. And there are those times in our life where we're like that. So John makes it plain that we must believe that Jesus is the Christ. Okay, he is the Messiah. He is the Savior. He is the way. He is the one true God. You know, there's many New Age types, uh, people that believe in Confucius or Buddha or even some of the, the more modern religions that say that, well, they had the Christ spirit. Well, we don't say that Jesus had the Christ spirit. We say that Jesus is the Christ. Amen. He is our Savior. He is the one that we put our hope and our trust and our faith in. And so believe that, that Jesus is the Christ. And this is the common ground of Christians. This is where we come together. This is where we, we meld together. And one of the, the areas where uh, sometimes Christians and churches come short is in this unity of believing in God and working together as a team because sometimes we get in our, li our lives and our minds that, well, it needs to be my way. It needs to be this way. It needs to be that way. But we understand that God has pulled us together as a team and as we work together as a team and as we keep our eyes on Jesus and we're all walking towards him, we find ourselves going in that same direction. And so the trick is not to get distracted by the things in the side that can pull us away. So it's this common bond of Jesus as our Savior, as our Lord, that bonds us together. It's not our race. It's not our, our social economics or things like that. It's not our denomination, but it's our common belief in Christ. And, and so John really says, 
Can you love those that are different than you? Be it a race, be it a social status, be it a different church or different denomination. Can you express God's love to others? Or do we just love ourselves? And John says it needs to go beyond that. The common thing is the lordship of Jesus Christ. I remember John MacArthur, he got in trouble uh, at the beginning of his ministry because he would talk about this lordship of Jesus Christ. And what he was addressing way back then was this, is that like a lot of people want to call Jesus their savior. Well, he's saving me. And, and we focus all on that. And John used to say, well, but is he the Lord of your life? And the two really cannot be separated. If Jesus is your Savior, he's also your Lord. This is Jesus who we call our Lord and Savior. And so Lord means what? That he has power in your life. That he is the one that, that we are in submission to in our life. It is him that we are seeking to please in our life. And so when we have that in our life and that desire in our life, we find ourselves wanting to walk closer with him. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves him, who begot also uh, loves him, who is begotten of him. So sometimes people say, well, I believe in God, I love him God. I'm not sure about Jesus. He says he can't distinguish those two things out. We've got to stop treating the Bible sometimes like a smorgasbord where, where we just pick and choose what we like out of it. It's the whole package. You know, we talked last week that Jesus says, he who has seen me has seen the Father. Okay? We, people can see God through us by the way we treat one another, by the way we act, by the things that we do. So do you limit to your own people? Do you limit to your own group of people, your own cliques, your own denomination? Or do you love everybody the way that God does? Do you love the lost ones that, that, that you pass every day on the street? Are you reaching out into the community? Evangelism is an important thing for us to do as believers in Christ. But do we really reach out to those people? You know, there's challenges all over. Even as we're going through the hunter safety down there, there's a lot of young kids down there. And a lot of them need to know Christ. Some of them might know Christ, but a lot of them need to know Christ. And so we try to, by our actions, even to show that we love them and that we care for them. And if we get an opportunity to share that gospel message with them. People are looking for hope in the world today. They're looking for answers to, to life's tough, tough questions. And as a believer, we should have that answer in us. It says, always be ready to give an answer for that hope that lies within you. And it can always go back to Christ. It always needs to go back to Christ. And so verses 2 and 3 talk about the demonstration of God's love. By this we know that we love the children of God. When we love God and keep his commandments. You know, it's said sometimes that uh, the best way you can be uh, the best father to your children is to love your wife as the best husband you can be. You set that example of, of that Christ-like love in your life. But he says, if you want to love the children of God, if you want to love other believers, if you want to love people in the church, you've got to love God. And as you love God, you cannot help but love others around you. See, as you follow him and as you draw close to him, it just overflows. I think sometimes of that, that verse where it says, my cup runneth over. God can fill us with so much joy, so much potential, so much uh, desire to be pleasing to him that it just sort of spills over into our life. And so are we doing that in our life? Sometimes the best thing you know, that we can do is just sit back and listen to God and say, God, where is it that you want me to be? Where is it that you want me to go? How do you want me to respond to these situations? The world today, we're pretty reactionary in our thoughts. 
A lot of times when people are talking, we're thinking of the answer without ever really listening to them. But the Bible tells us we need to sometimes watch our tongue, bridle our tongue. Think about our thoughts before we say them. You know, not every thought we have has to be expressed in words, okay? Sometimes that's a bad thing, you know, because we just... And then we say, oh, I wish I could get that back. Once those words go out, you ever have that happen? You say something and you can almost see the words going out. It's like, oh, I wish I hadn't have said that. And, and there they go. And you can't get them back. And so we pray to God. We listen to God. We, we seek him as we respond even to one another. And that's part of the love. As we love God, we want to be his representation. We want to say the things that he would have us to say. So we know that many times, if we're not doing that, the damage gets done. And it's very hard sometimes to go back again and, and try to mend those things. They say for every negative word that is said, it takes, I don't know what the exact word is, but I'm going to say like 20 positive affirmations to undo one negative statement. See, if we would just stop and think about those things beforehand, we might do ourselves a lot of good. So, are we interested in the spiritual progress of people? Are we interested in, in helping people grow? Are we wanting to show this love? By this we know that we love the children of God. When we love God and when we keep his commandments. And so he tells us this, that as we love God and as we follow him, we're actually showing love for the body of believers that we are a part of. Because we're being an example. We're being an encouragement to them. We are showing them the ways that, that God would have us to live. When we're doing those things and obeying his commandments, we're going to respond in a Christ-like manner. So it says to love God is to keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, he says, to keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. If you're carrying around a checklist of do's and don'ts in your life, oh man, I, I can't do that. And you're like disappointed. You know, it's a sin and you say, I can't do that because I'm a Christian. It says that his commandments are not burdensome. What does that mean? How do we do that in our life? God has all these things that he, that he, he has for us. And I often look at it this way. He knows me inside and out. He knows what is best for me. He knows my gifts, he knows my shortcomings, he knows everything for me. And so when I follow him, I'm really going to be the happiest that I can be. Because, you know, I find in my life anyways, when I get frustrated, when I feel like really worn down and just tattered and ah, you know, I usually find out that I'm not walking in the will of God. You know, I can be doing good things yet, but maybe just not the things of God. And I'm trying to do it in my own energy, and my own power sometimes. I'm trying to take on the weight of the world. I'm thinking that everything hinges on, on my decision and what I do and how I say it. And when I turn it back over to him and say, you know what, Lord, you're in control of these things. You know what's best. Just help me to walk in your paths. Make clear to me what I should do. And we wait upon the Lord. We, we, I know we live in this instantaneous generation where things are like this all the time, but sometimes it's good just to wait upon the Lord. I've learned, you know, I used to get up in the morning and I'd turn on the radio or turn on the TV right away. It was just background noise is, is all it was. And because my mind is a mind that, that runs. So a lot of times when I go to bed at night, my mind is like, mm, you know, you just can't, it's like too many tabs are open in the middle of the night. And I'll wake up at 2, 3 in the morning and thinking about everything that I ever did and should have done and didn't do and whatever. That's just how my mind runs. 
He says, blessed is the man whose mind has stayed upon him. And so I learn now, at night when I wake up and I start reeling about the day's events or what's coming up tomorrow, I try to focus upon him and just say, you know, Lord, give me peace. And I start thinking about the things that God is doing in my life. I start thinking about people that I can pray for. And as I do that, my mind comes to rest. And I'm able to, again, find peace in him. Because God gives us that peace, again, that surpasses all understanding. So it says, to love God is to keep his commandments. And it says, one who loves God, and we read this earlier, okay, says he loves God, but is consciously continuing to walk in sinful ways. Okay, so I'm making this choice. I say I love God, but I'm continuing in sin. So the scriptures would tell this, is a liar. He says the believer who says that he's walking in light and, and is really walking in darkness is a liar. And so we need to come to that grips too in our life that choose this day who you will serve. Choose this day what you're going to do. Who is king of your life? Is it you? Is it your agenda? Is it the things that you want? Or is it God? God is a jealous God. He desires to be on the throne of our hearts. He desires to be the most important thing in our life. You know, I love my wife dearly, but she knows that, that I love God more. And she loves God more than she loves me. Sort of an ego breaker sometimes, because it's like, well, I want to be the center of your universe. Sorry, she says, I got one that's the center of my universe. You're just an added bonus. Is that what you tell me? Yeah. Okay. She loves it when I bring her up in sermons. So I try not to do that. But he says, John says in his gospel in, in uh, 14.5, if you love me, you will what? Keep my commandments. Those are the words of Jesus. Jesus is telling us this as believers. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And so when we find ourselves openly and blatantly and consciously walking against God's word, we need to ask ourselves that question. Do I really love God the way that I should? Do I really love him the way that I need to in our life? Now listen, we all struggle with sin in our life. We all have those things, and, and that's why John says he's faithful and just. When we sin, we find ourselves sinning. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. But this is talking about a habitual sin, something that we continually do over and over. We know it's a sin. We know it's against God's word. We know that it's not pleasing to him. We know that we shouldn't do it. We're ashamed of it in front of other Christians. You know, we, we try to hide it from everybody around us. And when we're living in that way, we need to ask ourselves, where is God in this situation? Because simply stated, loving God is going to show itself in obedience. When you truly love somebody, it shows in your actions. It shows in the things that you do. Are we doing this? Boyce says this, Christians frequently attempt to turn love for God into a mushy emotional experience. But John, but John does not allow this in his epistle. So John is saying it's, it's not just an emotional, lovey, mushy thing. Love shows itself in obedience. Love is an action word. It's something that we do. And it says his commandments are not burdensome. Some Christians, uh, you know, just find it very hard in their life to do those things, to do the things that God, and they almost struggle, they almost regret having to live for Christ. Now, you might be saved in that situation, but you're not close to God. Because I think when you really love God and you're close to him, he tells us he knows what works best in our life. And it's not burdensome for us. It's like a, a well-oiled machine when we're walking close to God. It's like being that well-oiled machine. And instead of burdensome requirements, 
that we think sometimes we need to keep all these hundreds of laws, like the Pharisees and the, and the religious people like this. Jesus said this, love me, love my people, and you will walk in obedience. And so the, the disciples came to him and said, what are the most important commandments? They wanted the checklist. What are the things I need to do? What are the most important things? And what did he say? Love the Lord your God with your whole being, with your whole self, and love others as you love yourself. Love your neighbor as you love yourself, right? God says, love me and love others. And in this is the fulfillment of all the commandments. And so as we look at our life, we ask ourselves, are we truly loving people? You know, Jacob, in his service for Laban, labored seven years for his wife, right? Then he was deceived, and he had to labor a bunch more. But those seven years for him were like this. He didn't look at that as a burden in his life. He looked at that as, oh, the day is coming. The day is coming when I get to be with her. It only seemed like a few days to him because he had a great love for her. You know, when we do things out of love for others, it doesn't seem like a burden. You that are married know that. You know, and wherever you are in, in, in your life, when you really love somebody and you're doing something for them, it's not a burden. It's, a, it's almost an honor and privilege. We almost get excited in our life to do those things. Do you have that excitement towards God? You know, an old proverb says, love feels no lows. It means when we're motivated by love, we almost have a supernatural power to do things and to really want to please people. I see the ministries that go on in here, and, and though I don't get to make all of them all the time, I really like watching uh, the people. The, the, I started out in youth ministry, and I go down and I watch some of the, you know, they do good. You guys do good. And I'm thinking, and my wife and I were just talking about this this morning. Man, you remember when we used to do that? I don't know if I could do that anymore because they're like crazy kids, and they're doing some, you know, and the energy that it takes, and the, it's just like I just get tired watching them sometimes, and then you're trying to listen to all these conversations and make sense out of what they're saying. Oh, it's like burdensome. But you look at Becky and you look at, at uh, you know, the, the youth leaders and Lacey, and they're smiling, they're laughing, they're having a good time. They find joy in it. They, I don't know how. You find, no, I don't know. I can remember back. But they find joy in it because they love the kids. They love the ministry. They love the work that they're called to. And listen, people don't do those things week in and week out and year after year unless they really care about it, you know. It's one thing to fill in here and there. It's another thing to say, that's our ministry. That's what God has called me to do. And so it's not burdensome in their life. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And see, this is it. I read the back of the book we've won. If we're born of God, we're going to overcome the things of the world. God has given us the power in our life to overcome any sin. Corinthians would tell us that no sin has overtaken us, but that which is common to man. And when we are tempted... God has provided a way out. What a great love he has for us. When we think that we're overburdened, we can't take one more, and this is going to be the straw that breaks the camel's back, God says, I have given you the victory. I know how much you can take. Oh, Lord, I can't take any more. Well, I know how much you can take, and I am there for you. And God walks us through those difficult things in our life. If we're born of God, we're going to overcome the world. Not of our own strength, not of our own wisdom, not of our own knowledge, but of his power. He's the one that, that breaks the chains, right? We were singing some choruses this morning 
My chains got let go. They dropped to the ground. He's the chain breaker. He's the one that, that removes those things. He's the one in addictions in our life that can help us overcome those things. He can remove those things from us. I've tried and tried my whole life, and I just I struggle, and so I have you given it over to the Lord. We don't do that sometimes because we want to do it in our own power. We think that we need to do it in our own power. The idea that anything born of God could be defeated was an, an abstract concept to John. He says, you know what? If you're born of God, you got the victory. We have the victory. We walk in the victory. We need to walk in that victory. And seeing that believing in him is the key to that, we need to draw close to him. And how do we draw close to him? By being obedient to his word. Sometimes we say, well, you know what, I'm going to get close to God, then I'll find the obedience. I look at it the opposite way. I see his words, and sometimes when I don't understand it, sometimes when I struggle with it, I can still say, this is what God's word says. And as I do that, I walk in that, I find myself drawing closer to him. I, I share once in a while, uh, one of the hardest funerals I did was uh, for a young family up in Jump River. And uh, the mother had a car accident. One of the kids was ejected from the, the car and, and ended up dying a few days later. And I wrestled with that. I really wrestled, like, why God? This was a young Christian mother um, raising her kids that way. Her husband wasn't saved at the time, but we were making inroads with him. He was starting to fellowship with us a little bit. And I remember, I mean, just being honest, I was just like upset with God over this. I just, God, I don't understand what good can come out of this. And, and, I, and I was struggling with it in my mind. But my walk was in faith. So when people would talk, I was giving them what God's word said. Not what I was feeling, not what I was thinking, but I would direct them in the paths of what God had. So even though I was wrestling with things, I was walking in obedience to my faith. I was proclaiming the gospel. I was sharing the love of God with them, even though in my own life I was struggling with that. And I found out that as I continued to walk in that faith, that God began to work on my heart and my mind in that situation. That I didn't need to know everything. That I didn't need to understand everything. But that he had a purpose in whatever it was that was going on that was bigger than me. And he gave me that peace in my mind and in my heart. I still don't understand it. I still hate seeing those things happen. But God has a plan. And God, as I walked in faith, God was drawing me closer to him. And he wants to do that with each and every one of us. So how can we become these world overcomers in Jesus? How do we find this victory? How do we walk in this victory? He says this uh, of Jesus. He says, I say this so you will have peace in me. So Jesus says, first of all, we need to be in him. And when we're in him, that means we're going to walk in him. He's given us his Holy Spirit in our life to convict us and to encourage us and to, to conform us and to work with us in all these things. The power that we have comes through his Holy Spirit. It says, in this world you will have tribulation. This is again is in John's Gospel Chapter 16, in this world, you will have tribulations. You're going to have troubles. You're going to have problems. You're going to have these hurdles that you need to get over. You're going to have times and you say, I don't see how this will ever work out. It's like you're looking into a black hole. I don't, I don't understand this, God. In this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world, is what Jesus says. He's our coach. He's our captain. He's our leader. 
As we are in Christ, he says, I've already overcome the world. Stay with me and we're victorious. Stay with me, I will get you through it. It may take a while. It may take some understanding. It may take some pain in our life. But he says, you will overcome if you stay in me. Because Jesus has overcome the world as we abide in him. And that's the key. As we abide in him and walk in him, we are overcomers also in Jesus. So it's important that we walk with him. John said to those who were growing uh, in their walk with Jesus, those that were continuing to grow in him, he says this, you have overcome the wicked one, 1 John 2, 13 and 14. He says, you have overcome the wicked one. We can do that in our life. Is Jesus a priority in your life? Does he have a special place in your life? Are you really focused upon him? It doesn't mean like we walk around like the Moonies at the airport or whatever. You know, it means that we're living our faith. We're proclaiming what we believe and we're walking in that same belief. And we're walking in what Jesus has. Revelation says this, that, that as overcomers we have a special place even in the world to come. It says this, to him who overcomes I will grant to sit with me on my throne. As I also overcame and sat down with my father and his throne. See, the thing is, is at the end of all this, we're going to be in the presence of Jesus. We're going to be sitting with him and rejoicing and praising and worshiping. And all these things that seem to consume us and, and, and bog us down in this world, they're all going to be a mist. They're all going to be gone because we're going to see eternity as it is. Overcomers overcome because the blood of Jesus has overcome Satan's accusations. As a believer, we face this all the time. You're going to start down this path and say, you know what? I'm convicted. I'm going to try to be more obedient in my life. I, I want to be more obedient to God's word. And Satan's going to start whispering in your ears. Yeah, but you had this happen. And what about your life in this period? And, you know, who are you to be able to do this? Well, you know, you deserve more than that. And Satan's accusations. Jesus, by his blood, has overcome Satan's accusations. The word of the testimony, it says, overcomes Satan's deceptions. The word of God. Satan wants to deceive you. Always go back to the word of God. See what the word of God says and walk in that. And it says loving not their lives. So again, our life is very precious to us many times. But it says loving not their lives, they overcame Satan's um, violence. That will happen in the end times. Satan wants to attack you. He'll do anything he can to get you not to walk with the Lord. 1 Corinthians 15, 57 as we close. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory. If you're struggling with something right now in your life, if it's a sin, if it's a thought, if it's, you know, emotions, whatever it is, you know, commit those things to Christ. Give those to him in prayer. Let's tell people, just test him and try him. Give those things to him. He's waiting there to hear from you. He wants to help us through those things. But we need to ask of those things. And I also say another good thing to do is to get an accountability partner or a prayer partner. Somebody that you can pray for. Somebody that will encourage you. I know many times in my life as I've gone through struggles in both the ministry and just my personal life, i got people that will let know, hey, I'm really wrestling with this. I'm really struggling with some, some thoughts or some whatever, moods or whatever it could be. And I got those good friends that will call and say, hey, how are you doing today? 
Just to let you know I'm praying for you. Things going good. That's good. And, you know, it's not always heavy. Sometimes it's just getting together and being able to know that we can talk about those things. But God gives us the victory through his son, Jesus. So I want you to have the victory. I'm praying that you have the victory. And uh, I think God's got great things in store for all of us here. So let's pray.